2: That's the second
3: time it's gone, oh, they never got home. they never got home. they never got home, those, those, those boys. That's, yeah, <laughs> they have asked for that, really
1: now You can laugh, I have to walk
0: up I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me
1: don't know what you are talking about. What here, you to we're you,
0: We're dipping into the old firm derby on today's second captains football podcast. owned here with Ken and Murph. Hello, how, you know. how are you? A long storied and at times heated rivalry it has been, and there's not much doubt who has the upper hand at the moment. Yesterday's 5 0 win was the first time in almost forty years that Celtic fans have the pleasure of clinching a league championship on their home patch against Rangers. That result, though, has not deterred Stephen Gerrard, who's reportedly back in Glasgow as we record for more talks about becoming the next Rangers manager, a move described by Alan Shearer, Ken, as a no-brainer.
1: Does he mean that only somebody who had no brain would even consider (laughs) this move? No,
0: no, no. He went on to explain that he means it in the sense that we would understand it, and that is that... Don't even engage your brain on this. It's, it's so obvious that this is the right move. Oh, Off you God. go. Mm. Oh my God. I
2: Not just... engaging your brain is seldom, if ever, a good idea. And this is brief positive of that particular statement.
1: I just. I find it really amazing. I, would, I mean, the idea of becoming Rangers manager at this point is just. You see, the thing is that you could say, well, I mean, isn't it, Rangers are a big club? Okay, that's true. Big fan base. Big fan base, nice stadium, proud history. Very proud.
0: Not a million miles from home.
1: Um, no, I'm not saying it's an easy, I'm not saying it's you're no. up there in 25
0: minutes, but you're, you're not too far from Liverpool if you need to come back to visit family and
1: friends. No, uh, you're not. Um, familiar faces, of course, Brendan, just across town. <laughs> Beating you 5-0 every week. Oh, God. But the, so, the, so the typical logic would be they're a big club at a low ebb. Which is a good time to take over because, you know, um the expectations are low. You know, the only the, way I mean is a, up, I'm fucking raging. Hmm? The only way is up, Ken. That's a Kilmarnock fan, incidentally. Mm. That's a Kilmarnock fan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a Kilmarnock fan. So Kilmarnock haven't won as many as 54 league titles in Scotland, which is what Rangers have won. So... This is where I'm saying that when you enter Glasgow, you enter a different, you you pass through a sort of a portal. You may not even notice it's happened, but you're now into a very different universe where the usual rules no longer apply. You would think.
2: It's a frictionless portal.
1: Yeah. yeah, And you would think Rangers at this point, it's like the the people, uh, they are the people. Uh, the people wander they huddle uh, they huddle in the in the cold night desert air they seek a prophet to lead them back to wherever and they'll be grateful for anything and they don't expect anything and you'd be wrong <laughs> because this is rangers and then it's it's just not a normal club it's it, it what i'm saying is that you've got no resources but it doesn't do anything to the expectation the expectation is as high as ever
0: they, if Steven Gerrard goes in next season, they can't expect him to win the league straight away. Surely. Of course, they expect him to win the league right straight away. Of course. And
1: if they just—I was watching the game yesterday. Ken. <laughs> they're not a league-winning team? Uh, they're not. A, they, they are not a, a league-winning team. Own, but that does not have any effect on but what they are they, on their self-image. Yeah. Well, that the, is a distinction.
2: Know, the team comes later. The this, fact of the matter is, the club is ready to win right now.
1: This is Rangers. The self. Uh, the self-image uh, of Rangers is a, is a little bit different. if Stephen Gerrard thinks that he can go in there and use it as a sort of and this is the thing like the idea that Rangers is sort of, is a sort of a it, it could be a, a, like a training club for for Gerard to to learn his his profession. oh, I don't think they'll like that either. Rangers is not the, is not a club that you go to to practice and learn how to be a manager at some proper club. It's not like a set of stabilizer wheels, you know one step up from the Liverpool under 18s or whatever. No, it's not like that. How many managers do you think Rangers have had since Ali McCoy's, uh one of the greatest legends in the history of Rangers, was chased out of there by a baying mob in, in December, in December 2014? How many managers? Uh, four. Uh, they have had six, uh, six, including the current incumbent uh, Graham Murty, 81 days for Kenny McDell. Uh, you know caretaker whatever Stuart McCall a caretaker 95 days um you know if you're a caretaker for 95 days you gotta wonder why was it so difficult to appoint a manager in the 95 days Mark Warburton lasted uh uh one year 240 days Graham murty came in as caretaker for a month until they finally managed to find Pedro Cascino 227 days and then Graham murty's on uh 184 days and counting but it doesn't seem as though he's going to be there for much longer. So what I'm saying is you can see there's quite a lot of a churn there. Mm. I mean it's not as though people are saying well Rangers obviously the Rangers manager at the moment is one of the most difficult jobs in football. Patience. Give the man space. Let him, let him work. And stay, you know the idea of Stephen Gerrard who strikes me has always struck me as a, as a kind of an emotionally susceptible individual in the sense that he has a Tendency to envisage the worst things that could happen and, and kind of worry about them. You know, I mean, it, 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 classically, his, his reaction to the, to the 5-2 win the other day, um, Gerard afterwards was so damn beat. Did you think they'd lost 5-2? Because they conceded the two goals. And he, he was suddenly kind of like rubbing his, his forehead and going, oh, you know, that's really taking the shine off. <laughs> and well, they, a lot of Liverpool fans were saying that. Keep it. You, yeah, you got to... You got to kind of keep a sense. Five two is a good result. You know, it's it was a good, it was a very good performance, and it was a good result. A lot of people might say, "Well, look, pity about the the the, uh, unlucky goals," but overall, that was good. That was a good performance and a good result to take to Rome. Jared is kind of he's a he's a worrier, is what I'm saying. And there would be a lot to worry about. A lot, Rangers. A lot. There are dimensions of worry that. I don't think Jared's ever had to cope with, ever had to think about. If you're the manager of Rangers, imagine you're the manager of Rangers. You lose five nil to Celtic. <laughs> is there like a worse place to be in the in the world? Is is there a worse job? Is is there anything worse in football than that prospect? That very real prospect that awaits whoever steps into the still occupied shoes of Graham Murty. Whenever he takes off the shoes, someone else has to get straight straight into them. <laughs> I. I don't know, and I'm I, I, I uh, I'm not sure I agree with Alan Shearer's assessment. Well, we are going to get further into all of that
0: later on in the show. Later on in the week on the World Service, we're all about the Champions League semi-finals. In particular, can Liverpool see home that 5-2, that delicate 5-2 first leg lead against Roma? It's dangerously done. Can they ease the tension of Stephen Jarrett and give themselves a shot at a sixth European Cup title for all the build-up and all the reaction afterwards? Become a member now on secondcaptains.com. You can report on some sport there, Ken, while you're here.
1: Well, this is the thing. I mean, you know what you've just been talking about there. I mean, Liverpool were playing at half 12. They they kicked off the round of fixtures with the uh, 12.30 Saturday game at home to Stoke. Almost relegated, but not quite relegated, Stoke. And, well, I think it was about a quarter to one when Jordan Henderson played a ball through uh, into the empty Stoke half and... Pairing through was Mohamed Salah, 43-goal gunslinger, controls the ball, takes it into the box. We all know what's going to happen next, Owen. Yes, uh, he, he drops the keeper, chips it over the keeper, and it looked like it was in the net. But it wasn't in the net, Owen. The ball had gone wide of the net, on the near side, an inexplicable miss. I thought, my God, that's... That's an unbelievable miss. You know, so he's apparently missed more big chances than any other player in the league this season. You gotta, you know, you gotta miss a few to score a few. Um but I thought, wow, that's that's amazing. And then they they laboured and laboured and laboured and it just didn't happen. You know, another another disappointing draw. This is two in a row, which means Chelsea are still Is the spell broken, Owen? Is the spell I, I had to wonder, is has the spell just broken? Could this have anything to do with with the bitter legal dispute uh, that we've seen making headlines over the last couple of days involving Mohamed Salah. Um,
0: what, what is this bitter legal dispute?
1: Well, Mohammed Salah, Owen, in case you hadn't noticed, is something of hot commercial property these <laughs> I days. I would imagine so. <laughs> um, so very, you could sift, shift a few units of
0: whatever it is you're selling.
1: Of whatever it is. I mean, he, he was, he was uh, headlining a Say No to Drugs campaign recently. Apparently, the calls to the to the helpline, have have skyrocketed since his involvement. Um But his lawyer, uh, Rami Abbas Issa, is not a happy man, Owen, and it has to do with some uh, some sharp practice going on at the Egyptian FA. What is the sharp practice? Well, Mohamed Salah obviously has a portfolio of sponsors. He's a, you know, as I said, he's, a, he's pretty hot property. A lot of people want to associate their brands with him. Uh, he's got UK Image Rights, which is handled by... Uh, 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 a company, a a UK uh, company. And he's got, obviously, non-UK image rights covering the rest of the world, which is handled by a Cayman Islands company. Um, And uh, one of the deals that he's got is with a telecom company. um, But the Egyptian FA, who are, you know, just the national team that he happens to play for. I mean, everyone in the country worships him and he loves playing for the Egyptian team, the pharaohs. Uh, But they put his image on a big plane that's going to fly them around the World Cup next to the logo of another telecom company that they have a sponsorship deal with. Well, suddenly uh, skin and hair is flying as the respective legal teams battle over uh, who should, whether they've got, whether this Egyptian FA has any right to use the image of national team player Mohamed Salah Mm -hmm. next to the image of a telecoms company who isn't, doesn't happen to be a sponsor, in contravention of, exi- of an existing sponsorship arrangement with Mohammed Salah, Cayman Islands Limited. Um, Salah tw- uh, tweeting way, unfortunately, the way this has been dealt with is a very big insult. I wish everything had been dealt with better than this. Uh, and then uh, prompting uh, an episode of, of outrage. I mean, this is kind of a bit, this is all a bit Saipan, really. Except, I mean... A hundred times play. that. Hmm? But he'll play. Well, the lawyer was sort of threatening, well, he might not might be able to play in the World Cup now. Which you can just imagine, I don't think would be would be something Salah himself would be too keen on. But you can see he's suddenly in the middle of all this, like having having become this like massive commercial uh, entity, this goal mine for the various satellites and ancillaries and hangers on that everyone's squabbling over this, and he's kind of in the middle of it going, oh, I'm not sure. Um, the Egyptian uh, FA chairman, Abu Rida has, has uh, got on the blower to Mohamed Salah and promised that he's going to sort everything out, and sorry for the misunderstanding. And actually, he himself was feeling a little under the weather in recent days, which is why he undelved it as promptly as it was supposed to have been dealt with. So Salah's now saying, okay, well, you know, I'm glad I've had a call from them, and it seems as though things are going to be sorted out. But, you know, it's just... Uh, I mean, as the Egyptian FA statement says, the important thing is that he and his teammates stay in a good psychological condition and fully focused ahead of the World Cup. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed, everybody. You know, could we all please remember what's important here? And this is obviously uh, at a crucial point in the season for Liverpool Football Club as well. He's just on the verge of breaking all the records. Mm. Just on the verge. 31 goals uh, in the Premier League. He's equaled the record for a 38-game season with Ronaldo, Suarez, and Alan Shearer. He just equaled it. You know, big game coming up on Wednesday. You'd hate to think that the spell was broken. I mean, spells don't really... Spells, it's not really a thing, is it? Nah, couldn't be.
2: On the other hand, I mean, <laughs> he's literally <laughs> never had a season like this before.
1: So it was, it was all of it, mm, and then, and then, Owen, late last night, Duncan Castles reported in, the, in Scotland's Daily Record, I read from his report, Liverpool assistant manager Zeljko Buvac has ended a 17-year coaching relationship with Jurgen Klopp in the week of the club's crucial Champions League semi-final against AS Roma. Buvac, frequently described as the brain behind the pair's gag pressing tactical approach, is understood to have left the club following dispute with his long-term colleague. According to club sources, Liverpool players were informed earlier on Sunday that the Bosnian Serb was leaving club's coaching staff. The decision to terminate a working relationship that began when the pair represented Mainz 05 in the 90s comes during a season which Klopp had come into conflict with Bouvac. So uh, the source tells Duncan Council, Klopp and Bouvac had a big falling out. Buvac has been left completely out of the loop on late. Um, they stand apart in training. He doesn't go to tactical meetings, and he's no longer involved in picking the team. In the past, he was the only one who had Klopp's ear. The relationship had broken down. The players have been told, Bouvac is gone. <laughs> wow. So this the, the interesting thing about this... The, the, Report besides its, its sensational content, was that it was the only one at this point. Uh, so there followed a lot of you are fake news accusations, mm-hmm. but I, I did think looking at this, this is a very specific thing quite detailed, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> it's not like one of those um, you know, uh, it is understood the club has contacted representatives of X with a view to you know it's, yeah it's like he's gone. Uh, and in in fact, it seems he very much is gone, although uh, there's some... Uh, it's not quite clear about the circumstances because what Liverpool are saying is that he... Yes, it's quite true to say he's, he's not working at the moment. He stepped away from his duties. However, his job remains here for him and he's on leave of absence for personal reasons. So is it a... Is it a, a, a permanent uh, a permanent bust up? I mean, it's obvi- obviously, there's a couple of interesting things about it. Number one, this always happens at Liverpool whenever things are, seem to be going well. It happened when Juliet's uh, assistant, Patrice Berg, was, uh, was assistant when they won the, the, the treble in 2001, the UEFA Cup, League Cup, FA Cup treble, then left, and things were never the same again. Rafa Benitez, his assistant, Paco Yesteran, also left bust up. And thinks, we're never the same again. So what's going to happen now? And this is kind of interesting because a few days ago, I did an event in the Sugar Club with Raphael Honigstein. He was over talking about his book. Uh, well, he was talking a lot about Klopp because uh, his book, Bring the Noise, um, most recent one. Well, he's actually bringing out a Per Mertesacker autobiography now as well. So I guess that's now the most recent. But there was a lot of Klopp talk. And uh, <laughs> it was kind of, there was one sort of funny moment when there was there was this, um, we were getting questions from the audience and so on. People are like tweeting in their, uh, tweeting in their questions, and I noticed that uh, two people had basically. Okay, so uh, one person says Barry Meehan says I appreciate Klopp is not just a motivator, but it seems well established. Buvac is the tactical guru. Hypothetically, if Buvach leaves the tomorrow, how would this leave Klopp tactically? And then, uh, then from from Clive Murray. Hypothetically, this, even using the same kind of language, if Buvach were to leave Liverpool, is Klopp tactically capable of coach of of coping? Wow! I was so I, I was like, what do you guys know that we don't? Is it, is it do you know? Not actually thinking, just thinking, Yeah, it's a bit funny. A bit of a coincidence there. Well, here we are. He's got. So if I can recall what Raphael Heinrichstein said, uh, he basically said uh, that they have a had a close relationship for a long time. They made a deal. Whoever becomes the manager first we will take the other with him and that was Klopp Klopp Buvac became the assistant Oh, he also said Buvac couldn't be a manager because he didn't talk to anybody he's not a talker um, Klopp is obviously somewhat uh, you know sociable uh, Buvac on the other hand is the kind of guy who would you know answer the phone pick it up and just hold it to his ear just not saying anything You know, you'd have to judge by the quality of his silence what he thinks about anything you've just said to him. You know, (laughs) was that a frosty silence? Was that a sort of an engaging, acquiescent silence? silence. Is it a thoughtful silence? You know, that's just the way that he communicates. Uh, So, it's not obviously typical manager's demeanour, which is why he was more suited to being an assistant. But he did also say that you know they they did have a kind of um, a fiery and tempestuous relationship. Uh, marked by frequent uh disagreement, you know one of one of these types of um, you know passionate kind of flare ups from time to time as as he writes in the as he writes in the uh book, move is very emotional kiss my ass, shit then he'd walk out, he'd storm out five minutes later they'd be in each other's arms again, but you know who knows maybe maybe this has uh maybe it's gone too far this time, maybe virtue is like you've changed. You know, it's like a, it's like an ABBA song from the divorce years. Mm. You know, it's like uh, things just aren't the same anymore. You know what? What is it? You're just like um, taking all this acclaim, going on about Brexit. You know, maybe Bubaš thinks what's the big deal about Brexit? You know, just get it done. You know, he's a Bosnian Serb. The people have spoken,
2: Jurgen. You know, yeah. move on. Get on with your life. Get it's over like, yourself. Oh,
1: Giver Hofstadt is tweeting, oh, can, why can't we all just listen to Jurgen Klopp? But we were just like, you disgust me. This isn't, the, you know, this isn't the same. This isn't why we got into the game I think this together. is what they
0: call putting words in another person's
1: mouth. <laughs> um, it's all
0: about Brexit.
1: That's the reason that this guy is gone. Well, I just don't, I mean, the way the EU has treated Serbia is an absolute disgrace. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe some people aren't as unhappy to see it all. <laughs> comic cropper as Jürgen seems to be um, Rafa Rafa Einstein was tweeting today saying uh, he, uh, him and Klopp have had huge rows before but always made up this might not be the end of the story short term effect is negligible but Klopp will want somebody else to bounce ideas off next season if he doesn't come back I don't know why he's left his position for the moment just want to make the point the relationship has been volatile at times they're both impulsive characters but always came back together eventually let's see what happens um so there you go uh that was that was interesting. I mean, the the thing about it is, it's obviously a weird time of the season for it to for it to happen. I mean, they're they're saying kind of personal reasons, so you know, who knows what what could be going on with Zlatko But you would imagine it's it's extraordinary circumstances for him to leave at this point. You know, just before the semi final of the Champions League, very uh, very strange. So Klopp will will clearly be talking before the. Robin Match, I assume, we'll we'll have to uh, talk a little bit about this. I mean, the problem for him is when you have this sort of superhero branding, I mean, the the brain, the eyes, Peter Kravitz, maybe Peter Kravitz, maybe the eyes have been getting too much attention, um, and the heart, you know, Klopp. It's like you now just have eyes and a heart but no brain. You know, surely that's going to affect the quality of the team. Um, well, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. But it wasn't all bad news, Owen. Um uh Roberto Firmino signed a new contract uh, after I'd spent much of last week talking about how uh, how unfortunate it was that he had such a small release clause in his contract and was playing so well uh, so they have managed to sign him up to a five-year deal which uh, although they haven't released the details on release clauses I assume there is none because otherwise what's the point really um, He uh, so they have managed to secure one member of their 98 goal front three and um, and now have to give the other two pay rises in order to keep them hmm. but um yeah and thanks thanks also to all the liverpool fans who who tweeted me uh, pointing out this news uh, you must be sickened now they
2: were no they were giving you credit weren't they
1: for basically putting liverpool in an untenable position no, not, with your fiery verbal tirade last week no i don't think so i don't no? think i don't think that's the way no. i don't think that's the way I was but anyway that's that's enough of that so we'll wait, we'll wait and see if the spell is broken out. A lot of strange and unnatural happenings uh, going on just there. But what else was going on? Uh, th- the strange and unnatural threesome of Arsene Wenger, Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho all all hanging out together on the touchline. Wenger and Ferguson both giving Mourinho thin smiles as they invited him to join, uh, join in for the photograph. Wenger thinking,
0: oh, the ultimate insult. <laughs> Alex Ferguson being pally with me. <laughs> well, oh, all added. of Old Trafford giving yeah. him
2: a raucous reception. Did you watch, by the way? I wanted
0: this guy to hate me. I wanted to end my reign in British football with this man despising me so much because I had won so often that we would never speak again. Instead, well, here he is patting me on the back.
1: Well, Wenger actually away. said, after the, it shows once you were not a danger anymore, people love you. This was the crowds. The crowd were like applauding him and applauding Ferguson, obviously applauding Ferguson. Uh, they did sing Arsene Wenger, we want you to stay at one nil up, which was which which I thought was uncalled for. Yeah. Um but you know did, did you actually watch the feud the documentary that was on last week?
0: No, I haven't seen it yet. No. Channel 5?
1: Uh yeah, oh, and I think so. It was it was like I mean, it was there was funny bits. Of it. I mean, the best thing about it I thought was the old video of Ferguson talking to the United players like just the sort of stuff he was saying to them which was all about like challenging, basically challenging their masculinity. You know, Paul Ince is going to, he's a big time, he's a big time Charlie. Um, quite foul-mouthed as well though. And Alex Ferguson not afraid of using the odd obscenity to punctuate his his uh, motivational uh, chats with the players. um and there was some grace I kind of wonder how much more of that archive is there because someone needs to get into that archive that's the that's the real gold I mean the rest of it I thought was was pretty lame you know you have like I did wonder if if any 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 person has ever been more praised for having mainstream hobbies than Alex Ferguson <laughs> like you know Henry winter sitting there talking about how Ferguson you know it wasn't just football it was you know. You go into his office. There'd be books, pictures on the wall. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, he uh, there was a there was a cup
0: of tea. I believe I saw. I mean, yeah. this guy does not just study football all day long. He does. He in of
1: his things. office. Like, wine. You know, they had they had like a wine glass sort of in slow motion breaking on the ground. You know, it was like sort of American Psycho type. So you know the way in American Psycho that maybe they've got the the sauce sort of dribbling on the white plate. You know, it's that type of. It's like, Jesus. And John Motson, John Motson, well, you, you know, of course, Alex Ferguson could be somewhat belligerent. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I did have one famous run in with him uh, where I asked about Roy Keane's disciplinary record. They played the tape and it's, and he says, well, what do you think about Roy Keane? I can't remember the exact question. Ferguson just stares at him with this, like, icy blue eyes, murderous stare. You've got no right to ask that question, John. This fucking interview is cancelled. This fucking interview. And
0: yeah, I've seen that clip before.
1: And and uh, and he and he storms off, you know, effing and blinding, and, and actually shouting more the further away he gets. And Watson then goes, but of course, underneath all that, he was a really charming. <laughs> <laughs> like, he wasn't charming. Uh, there was he wasn't charming at all. He was like a. I mean, he he might have been charming when the situation called for it, but. I mean, like this is Stockholm syndrome, Marty. Seriously. So what did you make of all the Wenger? Did Wenger? All, I thought all, it was all the I thought it though. was nice. I, 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 I realized I was I was staring at it with a big kind of grin on my face <laughs> as Ferguson and Wenger were there, and I was like, oh, because it just reminds me when I was young. On, oh, just remind me of better days. And then Jose was. Would they? Okay, Fergie no, Fergie called no, him in, and Jose no. seemed a bit bashful, but eventually came in. Didn't stay in for too long. Went back. He, he actually said afterwards, oh, you know, I thought we handled it well as a club. He said oh, it was his idea to bring uh, to bring Ferguson in. Uh, he said, uh, I felt it would mean more if Sir Alex came down. As United managers, I played against Mr. Wenger three or four times with big rivalry in the history of both clubs. It was between them, which is true. Um, and it seemed to me as though at the end, Ferguson, who who was very hands-on, was slapping Wenger's back and, and patting him on the shoulder. Uh Seemed to say, well, I see you for a drink afterwards, but Wenger was already walking away. Uh, and I I don't know if they did meet up for that drink, home, but I hope they did. You know, because I think after all this, they deserve it. Oh, Of course, once the formalities were over, United could go on with the fairly simple task of wiping the floor with Arsenal, which actually wasn't as straightforward as you might have expected. You know, Arsenal had named a kind of uh, team featuring a lot of uh, youth players um, because of the... Semi-final against Atletico coming up on Thursday. Um, they actually played quite well until Shaka. I mean, if you saw what Shaka did, it was just like, come on, how can you do this? This is a, this is the problem with everything that's been happening at Arsenal over the last ten years. You just can't. It's just a, an unforgivable mistake. It's such a basic mistake to sort of throw yourself out of the game in such a way. So, can you describe what he did? It was
0: like a Pogba has he the just ball. Just committed
1: himself to a. Well, it was just—it just idiotic. I mean, Pogba has the ball; he's coming through the middle. He's approaching shooting distance. Shaka, r- chasing in on him from Pogba's right, hurls himself into a sort of sliding challenge across Pogba's path. Pogba says, "Okay," kind of continues. Like he turns right uh, ac- away from the prone uh, body of Shaka, which is sliding off to the shops. Plays the ball to Lukaku, gets in the box. Manchester United score. But it was just, how can you do that? How can? Bobby didn't even have to fake a shot. If you look at, he didn't do anything. He didn't even look as though he was going to shoot. Shaka just threw himself in and sold himself completely. And that is just the kind of mistake that you do not make if you do any training on that aspect of the game. You just don't because it's such a simple thing not to do. It's a simple rule. Don't don't throw yourself in. So they don't. It's just something they don't work on, you know. It's like okay, but how do you expect to really? How do you expect to ultimately compete if to, if your if your players and this is one of the experienced players in the team are going to make mistakes of that class? There are no consequences for these mistakes, you know. Some managers would would sub Shaka off at half time for that. It would be like you can't you, you can't do that, but the, you know there are no consequences for for this kind of thing. And I think the game on Thursday very interesting. I don't know if you watched the first game, the uh, match between Arsenal and Atletico on Thursday. It's a great match. Mm-hmm. I mean, very interesting. Um, Atletico started off with this the usual attitude. You get a few free fouls before the referee starts to enforce the rules. And so, on this occasion, though, the French referee, Monsieur Dubin, was... Um, <laughs> <laughs> had a real sort of eye on the law head on him it issued his first booking after it was the fastest booking I think in the Europa League this season and then sent off the same player uh, or, or issued a second card to the same player after nine minutes or something which was there insane
2: were two referee uh, rules that he flagrantly refused to follow one of which is as you've just said first few minutes let's let everything go and then the second one is the more semi-finals you watch the more you realise you can you can pretty much do anything now in a semi-final and the referee is not gonna book you because yeah. the like this idea that you're gonna deny someone a chance to play in a European final or a World Cup final means semifinals there are just bloodbaths they're brilliant.
1: It's just the last thing anyone anyone wants to take away that dream from someone. Common so, sense. So, Versalko yeah. was the was the Atletico defender sent off on nine minutes, prompting Diego Simeone to go absolutely crazy. Uh, on the sideline but not I felt in a a way that I've never seen before I mean in a quite standard Sibione has just had a big decision go against him way and the referee runs over and sends him off as well Mm -hmm. I thought well well that's just uncalled for I I thought this is a bit this is a bit much from the referee Um, I mean a lot of people were like well it's a flagrant show of disrespect from Simeone. To be honest, the red card was actually fair enough. Both of them were yellow cards. It's just that usually you would get away certainly with the first one. And 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 the ref it's like the referee didn't understand this is the rules don't really apply. Mm. By by the time you get to the 10th minute, the rules have kicked in, but they're not really, you know. Everybody knows that this is usually the way it goes, but not you know, on we're, not we're on just, this occasion.
2: We're just feeling each other out, trying to break each other's ankles. You know, come on. You know,
1: there has to be some room for... A bit of give and take here. Yeah, But they... um <clears throat> Arsenal then... So, Arsenal ha- had the task. Okay, we've we've got man up for nearly the whole game. Now is where we show what we're really all about. And you just thought they don't know what they're doing. Arsenal have no plan. Eventually managed to get a goal by, like I said, quite... I mean, 67 minutes or something. But very quickly conceded an equaliser. with a re- The only type of goal Atletico could score, a long ball and a breakaway by Griezmann, they did score. And... <laughs> Simeone, who had spent the match standing just behind even Gizitas, uh in the sort of director's box, was appearing to was overcome with emotion at the goal and and appeared to be You know the commitments were uh is it Outspan walks walks out and he sees the in the laneway Joey the Lips and uh, which one of the singers? I love the
0: way you're just throwing a commitments reference in, as though we chat about the commitments. And well, think no, about but everything. at well,
2: the well, dark yeah. end of the street, he happens, to be, he, he happens to have a rapt audience over here. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly the scene you're you talking, know the scene I'm talking about. I can't about. remember the. Is it not the Maria Doyle Kennedy? Yes, I think it is. The Joey the Lips is kissing.
1: Yeah, there's this there's this uh, intimate scene taking place in the alleyway, and uh, and he's oh sorry this that was what Diego Simeone and his mate looked like. Jago <laughs> <laughs> in the Joey the Lips role. I mean this. Football means a, a lot, lot to Diego Simioli. Mean, <laughs> and especially this type of football. And he gave this great... Uh, afterwards, he was like, that's the most beautiful thing in football. The balls. People don't realize how hard it is to fight like that, to defend like that. That, that is the most beautiful thing in the game. That would have been Natalie then, Murph. Natalie. The name of the character. Um, so uh, I would have to say that I fancy Atletico Madrid to go through, based on the difference between Shaka and all of their players... Uh, and just their whole, their attitude to defending. But uh, it's still it, it's still obviously in the balance score-wise. There was some good quotes by, by Mourinho, actually, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of... Uh, well, he before this game, he was actually quite annoyed that people were saying he sold Salah. And he was at pains to say, I didn't sell Salah. I bought Salah. And then this is at Chelsea, obviously. And he said then, you know, we, he went on loan and then, you know... And then the club sold him. After that, so it wasn't my fault.
2: I did not start the Bertha rumor. <laughs> I'm here
1: to end it. <laughs> but but he then he he then said. Uh, someone said uh, Guardiola said winning the uh, the Premier League is is bigger than winning the Champions League. What do you think? Jose says. Uh, I think we say the most important one is the one we win. When I win the Champions League, it's more important. When I win the league, it's more important. When I win nothing. Winning isn't important. <laughs> 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 he's getting into end-of-season wind-out He mode, is. He nice really is. Yep. Yeah, he, he's, he's, yeah, he's a totally G-Mob
0: different
2: Jose. Or something, they, the army?
1: He's just looking forward to getting out to Russia. You know, he's obviously a Russia Today pundit. Yeah. Uh, I, I assume he has to go to Russia for at least part of that. So he's going to be hanging out in Moscow uh, in June. It's some good times are ahead, I can only imagine, uh, for Jose. What else is happening in the Premier League? Um, Jamie Vardy apologising for, um, for his team's 5-0 defeat against Palace. I'd personally like to apologise to yesterday's shambolic performance. It wasn't and isn't acceptable for us to lose in that way, ever, says Vardy. Um, so that's, uh, it was Declan Rice last week. Declan Rice having another, having another tired time against Man City. Did, who did
0: they end up giving the own goal to? Because I thought it was, initially it was, looked like a Declan Rice own goal. Wasn't it? But then, you see, it had struck Zabaleta on the way. It hit, first hit Rice, then it hit Zabaleta. Mm. So it was then, being credited certainly on TV, to Zabaleta as an on-goal, which was very lucky for Declan Rice, because if you're going to be pedantic about it, if an attacker kicks the ball towards the goal and it takes a deflection, mm. it's still the attacker's goal.
1: But if it hits a defender, then it's then off another defender, then it's whoever got the last touch.
0: Well, not if it's going directly towards goal. Like, if you're hitting the ball, if you, if you strike, if you're the Harry Kane in particular, Ken, yeah. and you're, you are hit a goal-bound shot... Yeah. Well, you're claiming the goal no matter what. Yeah, but if it hits off somebody and just continues to go in, that's fine. It's only if it's if the shot is heading wide and then, then gets deflected, it, then it know. would be an OG. So I think yeah, I'll have a look now and see who got
1: who uh, was credited. Yeah. Um, James McLean. Um, talking about how he, he hopes that West Brom fans will be able to see the big picture. Everyone wants to play Premier League football, so I do think there'll be a lot of people looking at their next move or their future come the summer if the inevitable happens. If the inevitable happens and we do go down, says McLean. Um, the fans just see it as if you do go down and players leave, then you're a snake or you've taken the club for a ride and this and that, but we've got families as well we need to look after them. So, hoping that West Brom fans don't call the players snakes if they, if they all leave. Looks
0: like our boy Declan Rice has gotten away with that one. Has he? Mm, according to the match reports, Zabaleta, twenty-seven on goal. Um,
1: credit to Zabaleta. Credit to the lad. He's a more experienced take, campaigner. Take He'll that take that. He'll, his, that. He'll take bar, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> He'll You're delighted. all right. You're all right, Declan. Um, so, so there you go. Um, anyway, so what? Well, so, but the, the bigger stories were happening. Uh, oh, and Sunderland have have new owners. That was quite a dramatic story. I mean, they finished dead last of the Championship, so not great. Um, Chris Coleman sacked. Okay, fair enough. Uh, But so, to new owners, Uh, Ellis Short saying, okay, it didn't go as planned, but I've cleared the club's debt, and now, well, good luck with your new ownership group. So we'll see how that, uh, how that one um, unfolds. The bigger stories are happening, where? are going to say? Well, in Italy mainly, Owen, uh, the Serie A over the weekend was absolutely incredible. (laughs) I mean, we were talking about it last week in terms of uh, four games to go. Napoli are one point behind. Juventus still have to play Inter and Roma in the remaining four matches, chasing two of the Champions League candidate clubs. Is it really going to happen? Is it going to happen? Are Napoli going to do it? Six in a row for Juventus. Are Napoli going to do it? Well, obviously Juventus had to go to Inter, first of all. Um, And they went 1-0 up. And Inter had a man sent off. So, looking good. Uh, and it was a controversial sending off because the referee went to VAR after seeing, apparently, blood on the sock of Mario Mandzukic. So it was kind of, oh, that might have been bad. And then sent off the uh, sent off the Inter player. Inter then stormed back to lead 2-1 until the 87th minute when Quadrado kind of runs down the another former Jose player runs down the right or runs into the box from the right, like from the goal line and just kinda of kicks the ball generally in the direction of the goal and it just somehow materializes in the back of the net. Everybody is going, What happened there? Why how did the ball do that? It seems to f- no one can quite understand the angles or the deflections that took the ball into the net. The goalkeeper's standing there, and the ball's in the net. But it's still a draw a draw isn't that good a result. But then Juventus get a free kick out wide against ten-man inter in the last minute. Ball to the box, Higuain, poof. Um, Big celebration from Higuain, 3 2. And there then followed uh, stormy scenes in the uh, media area as uh, Massimiliano Allegri lost his cool with the uh, fake news media who have been trying to, who've been against, who've been so unfair and have treated Juventus so horribly uh, throughout, uh, throughout history, really. But especially over these last few weeks, and a lot of people have been lining up to kick Juventus over the last little while with that whole thing that happened around Madrid and all that. Well, uh, Allegri, um he basically was saying, Oh, the, he took offense to questions that like you didn't really play very well. Uh, and he was like, Last week was one of the worst games of the season, not just for us, but for Napoli as well. Don't tell me they played well. This is Napoli last week, beat them 1 0, a header in the last minute. Um, the first time that Juventus had played at home in the league and not had a shot on target since they moved to their new stadium So seven years. Um, So a bad performance by them. Uh, But he says, how many many campaigns have you seen? I've watched at least 40. You can't win every game. There are moments this season they must be understood. Football is is becoming too much about theory and tactics. You're ruining the game. Do you watch basketball? Do you watch basketball? Because they're asking him. Oh, Juventus, it seems like you're scraping along without having any plan, and you're just being bailed out by good players like Higuain. What do you think about that? And he's like, do you watch basketball? A move lasts 24 seconds. You have the ball, you have three seconds left. Who do you give it to?
0: LeBron James.
1: The most talented player. You think that in football, which is made up of tackles running and accurate passing, that systems win? So let's play for tactics, and let's say, Leo Messi is worthless, same for Ronaldo and Higuain. You don't look at players' or skills. You only look at systems. That's what's damaging Italian football. Good defensive organisation doesn't matter. But champions and their skills must be praised. But no, you go ahead and keep talking about tactics and don't watch these champions play. Yeah, well done. This is what Allegri is shouting. And he's shouting so loud that Luciano Spalletti, the intercoach, who's also in the same area, has breaks off his own interview. He's like, sorry, mate, could you just, if you wouldn't mind, could you please just pipe down a little? Because... Some of us are trying to give interviews here, and some of us can't hear ourselves think. What well, would you screaming, caterwauling over there? <laughs> which is an unusual situation, I suppose. Spalletti was obviously complaining about the referee, um, and saying, I, "I don't think there was a completely balanced treatment of situations," uh, which is a lot—an an opinion echoed by a lot of people, all the Juventus haters in in Italy, um, such as Paolo Di Canio, because Juventus, you see, also got away with a. What should have been a red card for them, Pjanic, their midfielder, like clattered into someone. It was quite similar to, remember, Dybala against uh, Real Madrid, mm-hmm. where he did a kind of turned and kicked an opponent that he, who he didn't see, like Nani against Real Madrid as well. That type of thing, should have been a second yellow. wasn't uh, typical Juventus. Uh, but, of course, none of this would have mattered that much if Napoli can do the business against Juventus' hated rivals, Fiorentina. So after eight minutes, uh, Napoli's hero from the Juventus game gets sent off. Koulibaly, the, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the big defender who headed the winner against Juventus, is sent off after eight minutes. And they proceed to lose 3-0. Oh. Unbelievable. Uh, and and uh, prompting another kind of... I mean, Allegri was saying, you're ruining Italian football. You think it's all, it's all about tactics. You don't notice skills. You don't notice the qualities of individuals. Um, Sarri is saying uh, that Italian football... Uh, The only hope is that in life, everything has to end sometime. He means Juventus winning the league all the time. Sooner or later, the domination will have to end. I must say, seeing the Premier League have this constant alternation of winners every year, it grows the love for teams and makes everyone have hope of success. It's a different situation here in Italy. The risk is that we will lose many fans because they cheer on teams that will never win. And they know that too well. If we impoverish the whole system, the rich will be impoverished too. So he's basically saying... You know, Juventus have to lose the league title once in a while in order for this to continue to have any meaning although that isn't always the case you know sometimes it's quite satisfying to keep winning the league year after year after year after year against opponents that have no hope of beating you sometimes that can be a lot of fun as well
0: which we'll get into with Celtic in just a few minutes time that's it for today's report on sport they
1: are the champions they have taken the title Manchester
0: United, and they have done it here at Old Trafford. It does not get more conclusive. It's very difficult to see Arsenal play one day
2: without Arsenal on the bench.
0: He's going to ruin the club, fam. He's going to ruin the club, blood. I'm telling you, fam. But up and down the land, you do sense a genuine appreciation for the way this Arsenal
3: team play. They were perfect. It's turning. It's turning, blood. Did you hear the booze at full time?
2: Oh,
0: Seriously, shut the fuck up tonight. In the not in No move for no little dickheads, chatty shit. We love to have him there all the time, but we all know that's not <laughs> going to happen. One day he's going to have to go.
2: I with you, baby, was
1: Spineless, where were they in the second half? Spineless, no fucking character, no fucking leadership. Where does that boil down to? It boils down to the fucking manager. He's finished.
0: It will be hard, he's not thinking of leaving one day.
2: He was a great
1: manager, he's gone, he's gone!
0: I don't, I, it will happen eventually, we all know it, but I, I don't see it.
3: Arsenal Football Club,
0: For me, the day I will see Arsenal play without Arsen on the bench, it's, it's going to be weird.
1: Don't the try fan to, base of this fucking club! Don't try to-, are happy don't, to be full. don't try to question my fan base. Don't try to question my fan base, okay? The fan base you can't right, not, listen.
2: Can't
1: listen, listen. I can't I can't get angry. I can't get angry like I have be- before be- be- because it's, it's just
0: in Rangers team every bit as good as the manager's words he had no doubts they are the champions they have
2: taken the title away from Manchester United and they have done it here at Old Trafford it does not get more
0: conclusive than that seven titles in a row now for celtic they need three more to break the scottish record but might Stephen gerrard be the man to ride into town and stop them kieran conning first of all celtic a 5-0 win at home Against Rangers, not a bad way to wrap things up, I suppose.
3: Yeah, and kind of uh, summed up the, the difference that there is between the two teams, or more importantly, I would say the two clubs at the moment. The difference in sort of organisational structure that Celtic are a very well-run club that have sold very well when they've had to in the the past um, few seasons, the likes of Victor Wanyama and Virgil Van Dyke. and that has managed that has allowed them to to build a squad that at least qualifies for for the Champions League and gets the the extra cash from going to the group stages that has allowed them to recruit a manager like um, Brendan Rodgers. And on the flip side, the Rangers, and I think we we could be seeing this in the the next week or so with with Steven Gerrard, keep looking for for short-term fixes, for short-term solutions to try and get back to to where they they once were. Um, And Rodgers himself said that and um, Graeme their sort of uh, caretaker manager, had been thrown to the garbage, in his words, um, by, the, by the Rangers board just by a sheer lack of planning and putting together this sort of mix-and-match squad that can't really compete with Celtic at the moment.
0: Rangers were a shambles yesterday, Kieran. Their defenders looked like they'd never seen a step over before and didn't know how not to fall for one. But that aside, I and mean, we will get into them and we'll get into the Jared stuff. I did think that Celtic looked like they were playing with that verve that Brendan Rodgers does seem to have an ability to inject into his teams. I know it's it's hard to judge given the lack of true opposition up there, but um, what kind of a uh, how how successful has Rodgers been in um, making the Celtic in, in moulding the Celtic team into his image?
3: He claimed yesterday and that he has quite consistently throughout the season that this season has been even better than last. Uh, purely in in results, that doesn't really seem to be the case. I mean, last season was exceptional to win the the treble without even losing a game. What has been very obvious this season, particularly in the the Rangers matches, is that when Celtic are are up for it and Rodgers picks his best team in Scotland, no one can live with them. they dropped an awful lot more points in the league this season, but it's tended to be around European fixtures where players have been rested or complacency sort of sets in against your likes of your Dundees, St. Johnston, Ross counties, etc. Whereas when they've come up against Rangers or Aberdeen, they've pretty much won every game and, and won every game handsomely. The real question for Rodgers and, and Celtic going forward is obviously Europe and, and this season was a step back in the sense that they, they felt as if last season just getting to the group stages um, was an achievement. Same went for this season, but to be beaten so comprehensively as they were, you know, 7-1 and 5-0 at home against uh, Paris and Saint-Germain, there was a little bit of progress in the sense that they got out of the, the Champions League group stage and into the Europa League. But again, losing pretty uh, heavily to, to Zenit St. Petersburg. So next season's going to be even more difficult just to, to qualify for the, the Champions League because they have four qualifying rounds rather than three. Um, but that, I think, was where Rodgers going forward will really be judged in terms of if he can get Celtic at least competing back on the European stage.
1: What is the state of the old-firm rivalry these days, Kieran? Because, I mean, it has been obviously a strange few years. Rangers were punished for their uh, tax avoidance, tax evasion, um, leaving for a long time now. Celtic is is pretty much the only big team. Their revenues are three times Rangers now, I think, thanks to uh, them being in the Champions League. So they're there basically is no meaningful competition for Celtic. I know that, you know, there's an argument that some of the other teams have improved in the time that uh, Rangers have been, you know, a ditty a diddy team. Um, but how satisfying is it for Celtic supporters to win this type of competition? I mean, it, it seems to me as though it can't really be. Over over Are time. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Well, this, the, the thing is, that I I do remember speaking. The only time I've ever spoken about this to an actual Celtic legend, he said that he would be quite happy for this situation to go on forever. So I I just wonder what your uh, what you're feeling about it is.
3: I think that that the words of that Celtic legend probably uh, go for about ninety percent <laughs> plus possibly of Celtic fans. I, th- I think particularly the ones that that lived through the Rangers nine in a row years and feel the injustice of at least some of what happened in those years and the, the financial mismanagement of Rangers and the, the hubris of Rangers at the time and David Murray's famous for every £5 Celtic spend we'll spend £10 and where that led them to there is this sort of great schadenfreude at the moment that, that wants to see Rangers suffer as long as possible. But I also think that there is a bit of a realisation in the sense that this re- this run that Celtic are against Rangers really is quite historic. I mean, the Celtic had, for example, yesterday is the first time Celtic have ever, be- ever beaten Rangers by five-goal margin in the league, but just in the time that Rodgers has been in, they've won 5-1 twice, 5-0 obviously yesterday, 4-0... In the Scottish Cup semi-final just a couple of weeks ago, so even by the standards of of recent years, and for example, it was only three years ago I think now that um, that Rangers, whilst playing in the in the second tier, beat Celtic on penalties in, the, in a cup semi-final, which is what sort of led to the downfall of Ronnie as Celtic manager, and actually, in many ways, uh, helped Celtic a lot in the, in the long run because it, it made the Celtic board realise that they couldn't get away with just winning in Scotland on the cheap, and, and that's what forced them to go out and get Rodgers and spend the money that it took, and salary at least, to get Rodgers to, to come to Scottish football. So I definitely don't think there's any sort of um, tiring from the, the Celtic point of view of, of watching Rangers suffer and, and beating them constant, constantly by four or five goal margins. I think if you get beyond and what, what the big sort of topic in Scotland at the moment, is can Celtic extend this out into 10 in a row? That's the sort of mythical mark. That's Rodgers signed a new contract last season to 2020, which would, in theory, take him up to that 10-in-a-row that mark. Um, and if it goes beyond that, and we're talking 11, 12, 13 in a row, I think at that point, then there might be, <laughs> there might be uh, some thought that this has gone on too long. But at the moment, Celtic are just enjoying it.
1: Huh. How would you describe the effect on the Rangers fan base? I mean, this is this is like they are. I mean, they they say we are the people. You know, they they see themselves as the as the chosen tribe of Scottish football, uh, and really the the boss club. They're the ones who have won more titles. They're they're the establishment, and now they are, as I said, a diddy team. So, what does that? Well, have you noticed any changes? in their attitude over the last four or five years of humiliation. Has, has, has supporting Rangers become more of a kind of a, an ironic, Oh, we're like, we're Man City in division uh, two kind of thing. We're all along for, for a laugh here. Has it kind of led to have, have has the proudest fan base in the world of football begun to learn um, a little bit about humility?
3: Well, that sort of we are the people attitude, I think, is why my previous answer is <laughs> what, what it was, that, that there still exists a bit of that, and that's why a large proportion of the Celtic fan base don't tire of seeing them humiliated. Ha, um, has it, has it changed is,
1: at all, though? Have, have you noticed any kind of softening of that or any or any kind of a change in the character of what it means to be a, a Rangers supporter to take account of their now uh, very lowly status?
3: There is a bit, I would say, you even saw it yesterday, and in the cup semi-final a couple of weeks ago, in the sense that there's a bit of a split between even those that just that have left early in in the game. For, for so, for example, I mean a large section of the Rangers support yesterday left at half-time or beforehand, but there were still a few thousand there singing at the end of belligerently, sh- you know, trying to show that that they're still there and they believe I think that, that they will eventually and their eyes get back on top and there was its become a uh, part of the trolling process of after uh, old form games has become Celtic fans posting the Rangers TV commentary of Celtic goals you know as, as Celtic goals fire in one after the other but there was one point in the uh, the Rangers TV commentary a couple of weeks ago where they were going about just remember all these days because one day you know, one day it'll happen, one day Rangers will beat Celtic, and who knows, one day they might win the league again. And how much sweeter that will feel, having gone through all of these thrashings over the past the past few seasons. So there still is this belief. It's it's, it's quite strange when the, the, there's a managerial change, as there has been quite a few times in the past few seasons, that it seems to be that the instant reaction or the, the what the, the fan base or ex-Rangers players come out with immediately is going straight to winning the league. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount of realisation that what they need is to find a manager that's going to be there for not just one or two seasons, but someone to come in and build a process and get closer season by season and maybe in the third or the fourth season be in a position to win the league, rather than just coming in and going, right, we're thirteen points behind Celtic this season, it was thirty odd last season. We need to flip that in one sort of massive overhaul and clear out the squad, bring on a whole load of new players, bring in a new manager and it'll all click. And and that's principally why they're in the position they are this season where second season back in the top flight with by a distance the second biggest budget and look like at the moment they could finish fourth.
0: Yeah, a lot of what you're saying there leads me to believe that you are dubious about the idea of parachuting in a big name like Steven Gerrard. Particularly, it struck me uh, yesterday, Kieran, that a couple of things struck me as I was watching these goals go in. First of all, why would Steven Gerrard want to become the Rangers manager? And secondly, how can Rangers believe that a manager with no experience could actually fix this
3: nightmare? In terms of why Gerard would want it, the only reasoning I could I could come up with or I think of and I was listening to the, the Sunday Supplement discuss this yesterday and they were going on about this idea that football players and managers just have that inner belief and that confidence that you have to have to be as good a player as as Gerard was, that that they can do it, you know, I can make the difference here. Um and for Gerard I suppose the, the argument is if it goes well, and that is a, is a huge if, he's at least getting the experience of managing at a big club with huge fan base and huge pressure, and that would then setting up set him up nicely to then move on to a, a job in the Premier League or most likely the the Liverpool job some point down the line. The Problem with it is, I just I don't see how realistic that is. And when you're talking about what, why do they go for the this sort of quick fix or the, the sort of shock treatment of bringing a, a big name, I think it's because they, they know that the financial disparity at the moment is so great that Celtic can just outspend them. So they need they need something. They're almost like looking for a miracle, or something to to come off for them, um, which they they did this time last year or, or just over a year ago, and bringing in. Uh, Pedro Caixinha out of nowhere and trying to parachute in a lot of Portuguese and Mexican players. With this idea that they'll they'll be too good for the the level of Scottish football and it's it proved to be a bit of a disaster. I think with Gerrard, the will go down is maybe trying to mine out the um, the Liverpool youth system on on loan deals and then hope that 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 works. But I just don't see it, particularly as long as as Rodgers is there and Celtic don't get complacent um how it's how it's going to make a huge amount of difference in the short term
1: it, it honestly strikes me as the worst opportunity in football to become the rangers manager at this point you've got no money at all you've got sky high expectations from fans who believe that they should be running scottish football and you've also got the the whole you know the peculiar history of the old firm and everything that sort of goes on around it warping and distorting everyone's brain uh, and, and adding a whole extra layer of significance and pressure to what would already be an incredibly difficult situation. I think it would be utterly insane for Stephen Gerrard to accept this job. I'm just wondering what kind of, I mean, what how are Rangers ever going to get a manager unless uh, unless Gerrard is crazy enough to do this?
3: When you're saying that it would be crazy for Gerrard, the other thing that I can't quite understand is a lot of the commentary saying that this this is too good an opportunity for, for Gerard to, to pass up. It's the for worst me, opportunity
1: the point, in the world. What, it's, it could what completely... It's, what it
3: strikes me as is Neville going to Valencia. It's it's the idea that you know, Gerard at the moment seems to have taken this sort of sensible decision of not going straight into a job, trying to get some experience with, at a lower level working with Liverpool under-18s. And and Neville seemed to do, be doing the same thing when he was like assistant coach at England, but then go straight into this huge job with pressure, huge pressure at Valencia. It's a disaster. He sacked within a few months, and then decide, or at least has said so far, that he doesn't want to go into management again. I mean, I could, I could easily see the same thing happening to Gerard if he goes to Rangers and he goes horrendously wrong in the first six months, that his his reputation would take such a, a battering from it. Because I said to like one of my my colleagues here that people still sort of look down a bit and sneer at, at Rodgers because they, they don't really respect winning trophies in Scotland. And I said, well what's worse than winning than winning trophies in Scotland would be going to Scotland and and losing and losing consistently. And I think for Gerard as well, I think you've also got to factor in what could be worse for Gerard than to be habitually beaten by Brendan Rodgers and get the
0: uh
3: the, the 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 classic post match Brendan Stevens a young manager learning his way in the game. I, I can't,
0: He'll recover I can't from this he recover from this eight nil defeat in no time. <laughs>
3: Jesus Christ, oh my God. Even to, to, to draw it back a bit, a few months ago uh, Rangers, after a very long and, and laboured process, went for the Aberdeen manager, Derek McInnes, who had played for Rangers, um has managed in in Scottish football for the, the vast majority of his, his coaching career. And even he having Spoken with them and looked at the situation, turned it down to stay at Aberdeen because he knew it was such a poison chalice. And McInnes a few months earlier had done exactly the same thing at Sunderland and clearly seen the way that, that Sunderland were going to go this season. So I think if people with that sort of more intimate knowledge of Scottish football and they're working in the game can see um, what an almost impossible job it is, I think to go to be. Even for some of the experience to come into that environment for the first time, uh, working in, in Scotland and without the, the managerial experience and without the tools to work with, I think it, um, it could be career suicide for his uh, his managerial ambitions.
0: Karen, great to chat to you. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks, guys. What you? What are you saying?
1: You're just a phony, man. This is just what I admit. I don't look like the athlete of the day it's supposed to look. This ain't the This ain't the WWE. Bella's just a little big. My is just a little big. This is just an act that you don't. You should be an actor. But brother, I am bad and they know I'm bad. I'll,
3: I'll never do that. There
1: were two bad people. One was trying to and in these brother. And the other was right here. You, you can run around like you're a preacher and all that you want. But baby, I promise you, I will baptize you. Man.
3: You can't teach that.
0: We talked about Arsene Wenger's long farewell earlier on in the show. Can Stephen Gerrard could be saying farewell to
1: the Liverpool under-18s? Well, if, see, if he doesn't get the old Zeljko Bubac's job, <laughs> I can imagine there'll be people saying, "Oh, yeah. what an ideal time to bring Stevie in." I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They're already the...
2: saying that on Twitter. I've seen multiple people. Really? Yeah.
1: I'm not sure about the the mm. chemistry there, but you know, mm. look. Uh, we'll see. Iniesta, Owen.
0: yes is another farewell I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, emotional scenes. The there. big
1: farewell really was the. Uh, I mean, he's not. He's not finished yet. It's just Barcelona won the league. Uh, they they confirmed that they they won the title by beating Deportivo. Um, Hat trick by Messi. Um, the amazing girls, Messi afterwards saying two things basically. Number one, we have won the league, and it's not just a non thing. Just so everybody knows that that actually does it is actually quite a big deal that we won the league Mm. just so that everybody knows that and also it's a shame uh, like when Xavi or Mascherano left, symbolic players for the club I mean if you saw the Copa del Rey final, this was was a couple of weeks ago but Iniesta scored an amazing goal it was like a a, a superb, like a stupendous performance by Barcelona to win 5-0 in the cup final, like this is how to kind of win with style, you know, in a one-sided game Uh, Iniesta scored a beautiful goal and Messi and Iniesta just in each other's arms, like Simeone and whoever that guy was. And He the was very emotional at the press conference as well. In fairness, it
0: is an emotional business having to go to China to expand your burgeoning wine empire.
1: <laughs> it's tough. Bodega Iniesta is doing... Well, I'm, bu- I'm buying a bottle, again. I, I would completely buy it. I would I mean, definitely buy a, who, who buy a Bodega Iniesta. Who is not going to buy a Bodega Iniesta? But also on an emotional for- farewells, Wesley who Wesley finish at Norwich. Bidding farewell to Carrow Road after 352 matches with a goal heavily deflected I would say yeah. uh, and an assist in a 2-1 victory against Lise-Lise. Well, That's the way to do it um, and, and he, he was subbed off and he hugged basically everybody uh, was crying, was led away crying into the tunnel and later on period of function alongside uh, Norwich's um, Iron Lady Delia Smith <laughs>
3: Uh, everybody, that don't that laugh me It's brilliant. Um, just one thing... Oh, uh,
1: He's been consoled by Delia
2: I'm going to play in Guinness.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so I want thank the boys yesterday. They were fucking brilliant. Uh, you know. I knew what yesterday meant
1: for me? And uh, yeah, just thank you, There's Wes. Ah. Um, Where's he gone? Don't know yet. He he. he uh, there was talk that Birmingham were offering him a. Bodega, Weso. Yeah, I'm not sure he'd be into going to Birmingham at this stage. I think. Oh, I've done a wine. Oh Denver. yeah. Well, well, he could. Um, he could get out to the A League, Owen. Mm-hmm. There's talk of him being interested in maybe moving to Australia, which of course. Wine country, there. Absolutely, yeah. Some New World wines, <laughs> Wezzo's New World, uh, or maybe Wezzo's
0: New World wines is a business venture that I want a part of.
1: <laughs> maybe MLS, maybe uh Wezzo's Marin County. Yeah, exactly. Uh So who, who knows? Uh But it's, I guess one of those. It's I mean, but I haven't seen any uh, definite news no, fair yet. Fair play of, though. Great, uh, great,
0: great career. He chilled out for himself after some early It was great to see notch.
1: see the the respect that that everybody yeah. was treating him with. You know, it's good that like at least in Norwich, where they in was not underappreciated. Before we go, just a quick reminder for all our Irish listeners to
0: register to vote. If you haven't already, tomorrow is May 1st. The deadline to register is May the 8th. So make sure you do get your voice heard on the 25th of May on the referendum to repeal the Eighth Amendment. Check the theregister.ie is a decent place to start if you're online right now. Hope you enjoyed the show. If this is your only fix of a football podcast for the week, we'll see you next Monday. The rest of you, you know where it's at. Comprehensive coverage of Liverpool's Champions League adventures during the week. And who knows, if the main man does the business, you may get treated to more of Ken's Arabic commentary translations. Hat tip to at isam underscore LFC for the original translation. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Murph. Thanks again. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Again.
1: Thanks, Kieran. What is this, Osella? Sultan of the English Premier League. This is him, star of the Egyptian game, the pride of the Arab game. Perfect. Perfect. A boy for all the Arabs with feet of gold. My days. My days. My days. days. Oh, Salah, you are world class. Goal of the season. Goal of the season. With his left, he struck it. Top bins, he placed it. Top Top bins. Top bins. No mercy. My days. You are fabulous. Pride of the Arabs. Give us your art. Give us your madness. They're torturer. They're tormentor. Roma, inspect the damage. The is uh, the second time it's gone They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those,
2: those.